0: The yard to gain on fourth down with 43 seconds remaining. Rams creepy. They rush for it. the to throw for it. He's hit. He's hit. He's sacked. He throws it away. He flings it away on fourth down. Aaron Donald got there. Donald takes his helmet off in celebration. He flips Burrow to the turf and forces the incompletion on fourth and one. He signals to his ring finger on his left hand. And you can build that man's statue at SoFi Stadium right now. The greatest of all time on defense does it in the biggest moment of Super Bowl 56. Matthew Stafford under center. Here's the snap, here's the knee. The Bengals will not call a timeout. The sidelines empty. Rings for the Rams. A Lombardi trophy for Los Angeles. is the final on their home field here at SoFi Stadium in Super Bowl 56. The Los Angeles Rams are world champions. From the Chris Wessling
1: podcast studio, it's around the NFL. Super Bowl 56 edition, and you just heard it there. Aaron Donald makes the biggest play of his life on fourth and one near midfield. After Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup went down the field and put the Rams ahead late in the fourth quarter, that big drive combined with that big stop led to Los Angeles. 23, Cincinnati 20. The Bengals come up painfully short in a very, very fun and exciting and tension-filled Super Bowl. Dan Hans is here. With Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Yes, we're back in the Chris Wessling podcast studio, which is so nice and so fitting on what was a really special day. Even though the Bengals didn't get the win, uh, still... Very special day and great to be back in the studio with you guys. Yeah,
2: it was it was a beautiful day to be, be in a stadium for a Super Bowl again, to be in this studio again on our way out. We saw all the Westling brothers and Lakeisha and uh, all of the emotion, and we'll hear from them later. And just as a corny fan of football, Mark's always making fun of me for just carrying that water, <laughs> carrying that NFL water. I did have a little bit of... Keisha's outlook on this game, which is that I just wanted wanted it to be great. I, I I had emotions on both sides. My daughter's at the stadium rooting for the Rams, everything with the Bengals. I just wanted it to be great, and, and I think we got that. We got a game with a little bit of everything that you could sink your teeth into, but more than anything, we got all-time great players putting a stamp on a Super Bowl fourth quarter in a way that will never be forgotten – the Cooper Cup drive and Aaron Donald's sack, that I just found it very satisfying. Like, I would have found a different Bengals type of ending at the end satisfying too, but for Cup to have the Cup drive and hoist that Super Bowl MVP, for Aaron Donald, the greatest defensive player of my lifetime, at least that, that I've seen play to finish it off that way with a couple of sacks. Vaughn Miller have a couple of sacks. It was like greatness rising to the top at the end. And and, yay, football wins there, Mark. I know that doesn't, you know.
3: No, so I, don't, I don't know why I'm being – so I'm I'm making <laughs> a very bizarre, bizarre <laughs> like, straw man that Greg has um, constructed here. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more, to be honest. Like, this Rams team is the perfect fit for the way that we feel about Los Angeles. They're star heavy. And, you know, they made bold moves in the middle of the year. They were all about this season – being a crowning mountaintop moment, and it's a high-risk, high-reward thing because if it doesn't go well, there's going to be a lot of fingers pointed the way that they've kind of mortgaged the future for today. But today is a golden moment for the Rams because of their star players. And Aaron Donald ended that Niners game a couple weeks ago. He ended it tonight. He had, you know, the, at one point, you know, they had been held to I think it was one sack the the Rams in the first half, and then they suddenly exploded in that third quarter. Joe Burrow's been sacked 19 times in four playoff games. That's the most in 20 years for any quarterback in the postseason. The next highest is 12, and so kind of what we thought might happen against this Rams pass rush did happen, and it it spooled the Bengals, who at one point in the second half had four drives that went for a total of 11 yards. Were the Rams perfect? No. Could they run the ball? No, they could not. When they lost Odell Beckham, another guy who contributed big time early, Their yards per play in this game went from 6.6 to 3.6. But as Matthew Stafford and this offense and the Rams team in general and Sean McVay have done, they worked their way out of some dark corners, and it didn't need to be perfect by either one of these teams. Stafford, Cup got it done at the end, and then Donald did his thing. That's the Rams. I
1: thought – and you're right. This has been everything that was built up to this moment, the famous tweet, we're putting all our chips to the center of the table – We're going and we're getting Von Miller. We're getting Odell. We went and got Stafford. We were aggressive and we're going for this. We don't have a first-round pick for another 17 to 18 years, but it doesn't (laughs) matter because flags fly forever. And now they have it. And I think I'll remember so much about the lead-up to this game, this entire playoff, and then being in that building and seeing how the game was slipping away from the Rams. You know, they're up 13-3 early. They give up um, a touchdown on a trick play sandwiches for you, Mark. Um, And all of a sudden, things start to get away to the point you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, this is a Cincinnati Bengals destiny season. The 75-yard T. Higgins touchdown right on the other side of the third quarter. I was in a restroom at the time. That was great. Um, (laughs) And, uh, you know, Jalen – it looked like Jalen Ramsey got messed with. His his face mask could have easily been an offensive pass interference. And then the offense goes cold. But – Because Aaron Donald and that defense tightened up and shut absolutely shut down uh, the Cincinnati offense, after that touchdown 12 seconds into the third quarter, Cincinnati kicked one field goal on a short field on an eight-play, 11-yard drive after an interception that was not Matthew Stafford's fault. Other than that, they shut the game down, and then it became about three guys. Stafford, not to reduce it to this, but really, Stafford, and Cup on that 15-play, 79-yard drive, making the big plays, and then Aaron Donald coming on the field and doing what he's done his whole career and saying, I'm taking this thing
2: home. Right, so Donald gets that glory moment, and it's the biggest play that you can possibly have, a fourth and short, essentially, with the Super Bowl on the line, beats the guard clean, ends the game, just like he did in the NFC Championship. It's so fitting. But the defensive line in general, just kept winning over and over. I mean, the numbers they are putting up are just outrageous. Eight sacks, seven sacks, rather, and 11 quarterback hits in a Super Bowl is just silly. And yet the Bengals' defense was just as game. I mean, there was a six-possession stretch there in the second half that totaled six yards uh, from both teams combined. Three and out. For the Rams, three in a row, four in a row basically at one point, and then the same on the other side for the Bengals. So the Bengals' defense kept giving the ball back to Joe Burrow with a chance to basically put the game away, including in the fourth quarter. And I just go back to that cup drive. In that touchdown drive, he converted five first downs. (laughs) <laughs> I, wow! The entire season was on the line. Fourth and one from their own thirty. I've been picking up, i picking on Sean McVay all year for not being aggressive, not going for fourth downs, and he goes for it on his own thirty right. in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, down four. That took incredible confidence in his defense, and it took belief in Cup. Let's get it to Cup on the biggest play of the game. They, they, they are ready for that call. They get it to Cup. He ends up getting a 22-yard play later that drive. He has two other catches other than those five first downs. He draws three penalties in the red zone to that result in first down. So not even plays that he made catches on, he's the key factor. And then what really sticks out to me is that play that he caught and he got wasted in the head and they they called a penalty – for the hit to the head, but there was also a holding. If he doesn't hold on to that, and that was an incredible catch, they're at first and goal on the 14-yard line, and it is a very different final sequence. But because Cup made all those plays, play after play after play, they end up scoring the touchdown.
1: Let's listen to after that, all that plays out, and the penalties play on Eli Apple, who, by the way, had a really good game until that last drive, Mm -hmm. is in coverage with uh, the Bengals holding on to a lead, and this is what happened.
0: Stafford from under center steps back, throws the fade, back shoulder. Cooper Cup got it. Cooper Cup brings it in. Touchdown! Touchdown!
3: Touchdown! L.A.
1: J.B. Long, of course, with the call, Mark.
3: Did a great job tonight, based on the eight seconds that I've listened to from him.
2: Now it's time for you to have that off season hangout with J. V. Long. Oh, it's right? going to be even more sweet when we're in the park
1: <laughs> listening to a, a yacht rock band, sitting on the blankets with our families. We could reminisce on a, a championship season for his Rams. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so I thought that was to me when I think about that drive and Stafford. I thought, even though the box score, it's a it's a strange game really for Stafford because. Um, He throws two interceptions, and one, to me, I know you disagree, Greg, to me was a quasi-arm punt where he got flushed out of the pocket on third and 14 through uh, midfield and just threw the ball into the end zone. The second one was a, as Chris Russo had said, a terrible drop by Ben Swarnik, who really, I don't know how many times he needs to get the ball at this (laughs) point uh, in this offense. Uh, So he throws three touchdowns. Two interceptions. It's hard to really put on him. And yet, yes, there was that long stretch after Odell Beckham goes out of the game, which was a huge subplot. In fact, Mark, I thought when Beckham, who was dominating early in this game, goes out with a knee injury, and we hope it's not an ACL, but it certainly seems like a serious knee injury. Um, their offense went in the tank, and it looked to me like that was going to be the story, that the Rams were going to win. They were going to put up 30-plus. Beckham goes out and they just didn't have enough ammo, and yet they find a way.
3: Well, they were so one dimensional. Uh, all eight of their first downs in the first half were through the air. I mean, this is a team that probably produced one of the worst rushing performances we've ever seen in a Super Bowl 1.9 yards per carry. I
1: think Cam, Cam Akers, you can make a case, had one of the worst postseasons ever. When you know statistically, he averaged about two yards a carry on probably over 50 carries with those two fumbles.
3: Yeah, it was rough. I mean, it was rough, but no one – I mean, no one was reliable tonight. And, you know, five different people had rushing attempts and no one, no one was able to do it. I think it was really clear that Odell Beckham was going to be a huge part – of the plan tonight, and I think when he went down, it took them some time to figure out what do we do now because we don't, we know you don't have Robert Woods, uh, you don't, have, they didn't have Tyler Higby, which I think mattered a lot in this game in terms of the, his relationship with Stafford and what they would have done with Tyler Higbee. once Odell Beckham went out, and that only makes Cooper Cup's performance, especially on that final drive, all the more impressive, all the more Super Bowlish and Super Bowl MVP-ish. I mean, his 33 catches in the postseason are the most by any wide receiver ever, and he's been that guy all year long. And on the final drive, you know, and also the chemistry that he had with Matthew Stafford this whole season, but in this postseason was the differentiator because, it, you know, you we've talked about Joe Burrow all for two weeks straight. And frankly, Joe Burrow has not had the best couple of games for himself. And tonight, the Bengals offense, I look at Zach Taylor and just say, I don't know what's special about Zach Taylor, but their play calling got wicked tight during
2: this game mm. when they went into a funk. They, they, why are we not running the ball a little bit more? I think they were struggling. I mean, for the I felt like everything was hard for the Bengals' offense the whole game because they were overmatched. If you think about how they scored their points, Higgins gets away with, with a clear penalty, big play for a touchdown. There, there's seven of them. Their last big play of the game, really. Chase gets free for a 46-yarder. When, when Burrow threw that pass, I thought, that's either going to get picked off or or I don't know what he's doing and he trusts Chase so much that Chase makes an incredible play on the ball against Ramsey and I love that Burrow keeps giving his guys chances cuz that was their best chance even even if T Higgins you should have made that call that's sort of what happens sometimes when you throw it up deep to your guy you get a break on a non call everything else was very difficult like they could not protect uh, they could not run the ball for the most part. Mixon had a couple of runs in the second half, but I, I have a hard time saying that they didn't run it enough when they were running quite a bit on first uh, and second down, and they were in a lot of second and eight, second and nines. Uh, they they were overmatched. I mean, it was, it was the defensive line holding the fort for the Rams until the offense for the Rams could finally make a you, play.
1: You can make a case and <laughs> – Mixon had five catches for one yard in this game so I I would almost want to watch the game again but I remember one of the things we talked about entering this game was Los Angeles which on balance defensively did not have a great year they took a step back and one of the things they were vulnerable against was the screen game maybe there are some there are some opportunities with Mixon getting him the ball in space that alleviates some of the issues with the pass rush as well um I didn't think either coach
2: seemed put on a clinic offensively in the second half. But yeah. I think I think Zach Taylor was aggressive. To be fair, he he went for the fourth down in the first half. He went for the fourth down in the second half, which I thought was a really gutsy uh, call and ended up leading that to in points in the third quarter. In the third yes. quarter, it's, like
3: I'm not here killing Zach Taylor necessarily, but like they had ten of thirteen drives that went for under twenty six yards, and I thought that they did a terrible drive and a terrible job in the second half. When they had a chance to, you know, one touchdown drive would have changed everything. It was constant, like one and a half, two minute marches, if you want to call it a march. I mean, they they were get, they were off the field so quickly, and they kept they allowed the Rams to get into a position to have that glorious final march. T. Higgins
1: was uh, a big time player in this game. That the play that we're talking about, almost a clear pass interference. I did check in; we were way up in the five hundred section, uh, but I had a ear in and listening to Collinsworth, who was going nuts about that uh, but he, he ends up with two touchdowns chase they mostly keep in check now he has a big completion on the final drive uh, that gets them near midfield uh, that seems to really set them up and it's like when you think about it
2: let's like, talk about that drive yeah. yeah
1: when you think about it yes you you fall behind 23 20 uh in dramatic fashion that that you give up that drive but you're still in good shape because you got you got Joe Burrow and you got Jamar Chase and T Higgins. And you got Jalen. Uh, you have Jalen Ramsey, who's been beat for two touchdowns already. And you have Evan McPherson waiting in the wing. So you just need a field goal because of a bad job on a snap earlier by the Rams led to a botched extra point. It's a three point game. So the drive goes five plays, 26 yards. So you have a uh Jamar Chase out of bounds, 17 yards on a
2: short pass left. Ramsey making a terrible angle. Did not have a good game in general, and that one was a mental error in a big spot. And then Burrow to Tyler Boyd, who had a big drop himself
1: in the third quarter um, for nine yards. So that sets him up second and one at the L.A. Ram 49. From From that point, it's an incomplete pass to Chase. Now it's third and one. They target P. Ryan uh, or the, they give it to P. Ryan on the right tackle to get a yard. And Aaron Donald says, no, he rips him back. And P. Ryan is 250 pound guy. This guy's a bowling ball. And then, of course, they call a timeout. And then there it is. Aaron Donald with the, uh, the hurry and the knockdown to force the incompletion game over.
2: Uh, another pass to P. Ryan. I know Bengals fans are going to replay those last three plays, especially the last two for the rest of time. Giving the ball. To Samaje Pirine on third and one when you have Joe Mixon on the sidelines is a tough one. It's just tough because Joe Mixon is one of the best pure runners in the NFL. He's certainly one of the best pure power runners. I understand why Pirine's in the game. They like him in the two-minute situation. They like him in the passing game a little more. They were trying to catch the Rams in a formation that – was really set up to stop the pass, considering it was third and one, and they were trying to trust their offensive line to get a yard, but they they couldn't get that yard all game. And it wasn't just Donald; Gaines and Ashon Robinson, certainly Von Miller, but especially Gaines and Ashon Robinson in the middle of that line were stuffing them throughout. They could not get short yardage situations. If you think about how they gave the ball over to the Rams on that first drive of the game so you can't pick up a yard and then you have your season on the line and what do you do? I don't have a problem with them putting the ball in Joe Burrow's hand, but it's ultimately a failure of your team that you can't run the ball for a yard and that when you do go fourth and one with Joe Burrow, you can't protect them for even a second and a half. I know it's against Aaron Scott. second Dott. and one it, in right, midfield, right, and they never right. got another yard this season. It, Burrow kind of threw the first one away, I think, almost because he knew he had a couple plays. He gave up on that play quick. But that was another play where, again, you, like, couldn't protect. So there's a lot of different ways you can shake up the globe and, and the blame. But the fact is, like – they couldn't block anyone for. You well, know, I know they did a little bit in the first half, but not really. They couldn't block anyone for 60 minutes. They made it to the Super Bowl and they got very close to winning the Super Bowl. And at no point could they block anyone. Right,
3: Be- because you know the nine sacks in the Tennessee game that would have ended their season, except the turnovers by the defense and a terrible game by Ryan Tannehill tonight. Matthew Stafford did not fall into those depths, and in the seven sacks, especially the pass rush in the third quarter into the fourth. I think turned Cincinnati into a disorganized mess to some degree. And we can't say we're not going to blame Zach Taylor, but then also point out everything we just pointed out.
2: Because oh, I've been killing they, them all throughout. It just felt like they were overmatched they were, they, in this I, game. Yeah.
3: I think it was just you're out, of, you're out of options when you cannot protect your quarterback, when Joe Burrow's running for his life. I mean, there was just too much of that going on. And I, to me, it was just like you cannot have a one-person team. I mean, they, had the, they were aggressive. They took some deep shots. But that was
2: essentially like the only big plays they had in this game. I I do like, though, when you think about how the second half went. Because everything you're saying about the Ram- the Bengals' offense is true, Mark. And yet I kind of felt that about the Rams the second OBJ went out. I mean, every, well, they, everything they- was difficult for them. They couldn't block in particular. They certainly couldn't run all game. And you were at a point where you're lining up Daryl Henderson on the outside as a wide receiver, basically every key passing down. You are throwing the ball to Squarnick way too much. You're counting on Bryce Hopkins. It's like I was there at the preseason game against the Chargers. There was no one that had a future with the Los Angeles Rams for the 2021 season that was on the field that night, except for Bryce Hopkins was like the key player in that preseason game. And that's who you're throwing it to. Van Jefferson was a disappointment throughout this playoff run. He had single coverage throughout. He could not make a play. He was wide open on that last yeah. drive. He should have caught the game-winning touchdown. Well, down, yeah. And Stafford airmailed them. Stafford him. missed them, and yeah. so both offenses from this McVeigh tree couldn't run the ball, and we're having to try to come up with solutions. And not not to go on a too long of a rant here, but that's why I like on that drive, Matthew Stafford. Sean McVay went to what they do best and they tried to do it all game, but they didn't give up. And that was tempo. They played so fast on that drive and you could have questioned it too, because they like took the play before the two minute warning and it gave the Bengals more time. They were really rushing down the field, but that's what they do best. They were trying to really test the Bengals defensive communication. And that's what won them the game, their ability to play fast. They were snapping the ball with about 25 seconds left on the play clock throughout that drive. And it wasn't clean. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, like, fast-moving, but the, when the plays worked, they got a couple going in a row, and I, I think that's really a hallmark of McVeigh. and I love that they kept doing kind of, if you're going to go down, go down doing what you do best.
1: I thought maybe it took a little too long for him to get to that conclusion because I'm watching the game, and and the way you're down a little bit on Zach Taylor, I'm down on Sean McVeigh, who they – it was almost like I tweeted. You just
2: won a Super Bowl. There's no beat. Well, whoever, lost, no, so,
1: whoever lost, lost, there would have been bullet you points. You can win the Super Bowl and not have the greatest game as a head coach. And I, I think with – he really – he was desperate uh, to get the running game going, I think especially after Beckham went out because he, he knew if you take Beckham out and you take Higby out and Van Jeff- Jefferson has not been healthy, he's barely on the field, uh, they almost like were running out of options of how to move the football. But – You know, all those plays, especially the early down runs, which I just hate. I hate when I see Taylor do it, and I hate when I see McVeigh do it, put them in a lot of second and and third and longs. Uh, and it was when they finally said, uh, "This isn't going to work," and really turned it over to Stafford on that last drive. You saw what happened. I wonder if maybe they they would have gotten away from that sooner. Maybe they would have had more luck in the second half scoring. Ultimately, they scored enough. But Acres, I will say this for all, and I came after Acres <laughs> pretty hard earlier. <laughs> that it's one of the worst postseasons ever. And statistically, by the way, it is. If you look at yards per carry, um, that eight-yard run that set up first and goal that was huge too, because that you know that they needed just anything from their running game to keep the uh the opposing defense honest he did it and then cincinnati which was not a penalized t- a team that was heavily penalized got penalized on three consecutive plays setting up the first and goal which led to the touchdown.
3: I just I look at the Rams early in this game though before Odell went out and I thought that they were creative. I thought that they came up with some good concepts and some and they they looked Odell, really insane. Odell going out was so bad. Well, for like them, I said yeah. before I went from 6.6 to 3.6 yards per play. I mean it it se-
2: they they were hitting it, a lot of first reads like the, right. as the kids would say Sean McVay was in his bag. That second touchdown drive like he was calling the wheel route to Henderson. He's getting cup wide open. He like everything is flowing and fast. That, and you're right, the Odell Beckham was pretty much injury was the moment it changed. That's the thing.
3: Like I, I don't, I, I hear you with McVay after you know post Odell, but like they, I chalk that up to losing key people, key players, and going into the game without Higby. You can't say that with the Bengals.
2: But it's not, Here's the thing: the the Rams offense, and especially after losing these players, but even before losing Odell, they're they're not a dominant offense. They're a really good offense. And a really good defense. I would say the defense was better on balance over the course of the playoffs. Their pass rush was the truly special unit, like as a group throughout these playoffs that carried them through all four of these games. But even with Odell, and it's like they, they punted quickly on their first drive. They go three and out on their third drive. They've been an opportunistic and I think resourceful offense where they've made key drives when they've absolutely needed to, but they haven't been perfect. The offensive line was... Certainly out of sorts today, a lot of communication problems like Sam Hubbard and Hendrickson and Reader were also making massive plays uh, in the second half. And it sort of seems perfect. Wasn't this like an imperfect season? Like we've got two four seeds. These aren't like hugely dominant teams. I don't know if we had hugely dominant teams in the NFL this year. I enjoyed that. There was eight or nine teams, I think, if you shook up this playoff tournament and kept, played it over and over that maybe had a chance to win it. And it was an imperfect game. Won by the team that showed again and again that in the last five minutes we're gonna be the best.
3: Right, and it's the kind of game where, you know, I not that I'm gonna sit around and do this because, you know, reality has given us a result, but you're like, hmm, I wonder what Mahomes and the Chiefs could have done today. It, would it be different? I mean, it's like the Bengals were this great story, but there's no qu- there's no argument that they were the best team in the AFC. They just were a wonderful narrative.
2: I'm glad they I'm glad they didn't. And the Bengals, if they they never get blown out, so I, I'm I knew I was getting a good game with the Bengals it, either way.
3: And it was yeah.
1: I I have to say, like when they fall behind early and. And then when the Rams botch the extra point and it keeps Ooh. it 10 points, I'm thinking Johnny mm-hmm. Hecker, I'm thinking uh, we're going by over the way. Way.
2: Walker's got the, the the six on the back yeah. of his jersey that he owns. It was actually for his age yeah. at the time. But um, it Johnny yeah, might not uh, be around
1: too much longer. John, Johnny is not. Uh, <laughs> well, he's not the same he guy. Might not be the be.
2: only one. We'll get to that.
1: But uh, yeah, uh, after that happens, you again, you're thinking to yourself, hmm is the Cincinnati mojo starting to come around again because instead of an 11-point game, it's 10. And then when – and you, this isn't anything you celebrate – when Beckham goes, i like, wow, that was quite a break because this guy was lighting them up and the Rams' offense was humming. And then you get the – team. And they went
2: into halftime feeling good. The fact they were down 13-10, right. I think they felt good the way they got out of that first half and stopped but, the But Rams. you're, well, you're and about and to say I how go, they came out of halftime. Right, time. then I go right. I go
1: to the bathroom and uh, it made the, <laughs> That's made the, the mistake. That's the A storyline because usually if like Maroon five was playing and we'll get to the halftime show, I'm going to use the restroom then. But what, what I did was I watched the entire halftime show, just like everybody else. The loudest that stadium was tonight, other than the Aaron Donald play was halftime. Um, great hip hop performance there by the Good crowd, though, in general. Band. It was a great, great atmosphere. Crowd.
2: Both both. Fan I thought it was loud. 65,
1: 35 Bengals fans. Some I think Nick Wessling thought it was more like
2: 53, 47 Bengals. Uh, Felt like the Bengals at the top and the Rams at the bottom and middle. And, yeah, you're. Right. I think it was like 64. So, anyway. so I'm in
1: the lavatory waiting on the line. There's a bunch of drunk bozos in there. And then you hear like a sound like, what was that? And nobody in the restroom knows what it is. And what it is is T. Higgins changing the game.
0: Joe Mixon in the backfield. He had 40 rushing yards in the first half. They fake to him. Burrow now scrambling. Fires deep downfield for Higgins. Push oh, pushes nice. over his defender. <laughs> catches the ball, runs it into the end zone. There's no There's penalty no, flag. No. A 75-yard touchdown. Burrow to Higgins he, as he knocked over Jalen Ramsey Graham. and ran it into the end zone to give the Bengals the lead.
1: So, Ramsey was interfered with. It doesn't, the flag only called. So, my point being, you have the missed extra point. Beckham goes out that play. I get back from the bathroom. Not only is uh, are they a winning, they have the ball in the red zone again because I had missed the interception, too. And it just felt like everything was this was Those just the, the first
2: two plays of the right, second half. Right, this literally was, literally the it first it two. was
3: 22
1: seconds of time. Right. And it was the coronation, it started to feel like, of this dream season for Cincinnati. But really, from that point, when um, Donald pushes out Burrow violently for a one yard loss. That was his first sack. That began the chain reaction of sacks. Donald gets him again on the third down. They get a McPherson field goal. That's their last points of the game. And really things went downhill from there. And it's just kind of a reminder, you brought up Mahomes. You just can't predict the sport. It's one of the reasons why it's the greatest product uh, 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 in this country in terms of sports and maybe the world. Like, you think you know things, just like Patrick Mahomes melting down in the AFC title game and the Chiefs offense. But from that point, Cincinnati, the storybook came to an end because everything after that was a Rams rising.
3: Well, that that felt like the opportunity for Cincinnati to just completely take over the game. And, And to my frustration, again, with this offense today, that drive was eight plays for eleven yards. You mentioned it, Aaron Donald, I mean who ended the game also ended that drive to force the field goal. Had they scored a touchdown there because we it's not it's it's reality. If you look at all of Cincinnati's drives, they've been a field goal offense in the in the too postseason. Often. Way too often, to the point where it's like we, yes, we love Joe Burrow, but, like, part of his job is to complete these drives. And, the, and the, we love their kicker, too, but, like, you don't want to see the kicker seven times in a game. You want to <laughs> see him once or you want to see him on a point after touchdown. Well, to your,
1: yeah, to your point, just to, to hammer that home, it's 13-10 at halftime. In 12 seconds, it's 17-13. The next play is the interception on the Swarneck.
2: Am I saying that right? Swarneck, yeah. Swarneck
1: drop, and then they stall in the red zone. And it goes twenty to, from thirteen ten to twenty thirteen. But you're right. If it's twenty four thirteen, the way the Rams offense is playing, you know they could get a little tight butts. And and who That's knows what happens. That's the one thing happens. with
3: the Rams, which they they get. They like had they changed the game psychologically, Cincinnati with a touchdown right there. I think you start to get into McVeigh's mind, and that didn't happen
2: because they made the stop. He didn't. in they being Donald, and that is like the part of it that I that I did find very satisfying here with Donald because it's not just when he made the plays. I mean, not just the plays that he made. It's when he made those plays. That sack that he got to end that drive when it felt like the roof is caving in on the Rams was a third and three play, a very makeable. It wasn't like this obvious passing situation where they're an empty or anything. And that's where you need your great players to stop the bleeding. And Donald just pushes the guard back into Burrow. Burrow has no chance. That was the thing. For the most part... I would only put one of these sacks on Burrow off the top of my head, maybe two. Uh, it was guys winning quickly, and that was the absolute moment of the game where they needed Aaron Donald to step up, and Aaron Donald, the greatest he, defensive player I've ever seen, that's when he slips up. Like one He could
3: have st- gotten the MVP, absolutely. I don't know where this ended, but one quick stat to your point. In the first half, Burrow had 2.35 seconds to throw. That's the lowest of any game in his career. And somehow the Bengals finish this game with a higher DVOA than, than the Rams. So it's like th- these were two imperfect teams clashing this the, evening.
1: The true great ones, like the all timers, mm-hmm. they rise up and they they do. They truly do. People say, "Oh, they put the team on his back because a guy hit a, a couple of threes or had a long, long run or something." It's like no. The one the games where you see it, you can actually see a player decide, "No, I need to take this into my own hands." Like a, a classic game for that. For me to use uh, the NBA as an analogy here um, was LeBron in Game Seven against the Warriors when he just went mad. He had a great playoff, but that game where he pinned the block against the backboard and he I, and he was just he was a guy that was a man possessed and wasn't gonna let his team lose. And Donald and I brought it up on the show, but it is to me one of the great moments uh, of the season when he gathered the team on the sideline down 10 points against the 49ers in the NFC title game, and then one out and single-handedly took that game over. And then he did the same thing in this game. And if, if you're a Bengals fan and you rewatch this game or you're reading about it afterwards and sorry, guys, that was a tough way to lose. But like when Donald pushed Burrow out of bounds on that after the interception and the Bengals players were not happy that he gave him an extra push to that point, Donald hadn't done uh, not, a lot in terms of the uh, stuffing the box sheet and they got in they got in Donald's face and got him really fired up I think I thought that was a bad idea because <laughs> Donald then goes and gets another sack and then he makes the big plays at the end of the game as well just an unbelievable performance by an all-time great let's hear from Aaron Donald
0: I wanted this so bad. I dreamed this man I dreamed this and it's like it's surreal look at this look at this man this is I feel amazing. I feel amazing. I feel great. What did you see on that last play that enabled you to do what you did and make that stop? Strain, strain. You know, one last play to be world champs. Give it everything you got. I found the way to get to them.
4: How does this measure
0: up to what you thought it might be like, Aaron? is the best feeling in the world, man. I, I, God is great. God is great. I just, I'm lost to where. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm just. This is a blessing. This is a blessing.
3: I really love the LeBron comparison you made, because for two weeks, we've been hearing from the Rams, players everywhere, we're doing this for Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald talking about it being like a moment of destiny for him. And we knew that this was a strength on weakness that probably could tilt the whole contest. It's exactly what happened. Sometimes, you know, you project it and it, it's what everyone thought could happen to Cincinnati. And they've been victimized four games in a row in the playoffs with their protection. And tonight they felt they met a force too big for them. And, you know, the way that Donald hearing his voice right there, it it it's interesting to combine that with – the report from Rodney Harrison that maybe Aaron Rodney Donald... Rodney
1: Harrison, of all people.
3: Right, that he would... That Aaron Donald um, is pondering or would consider potentially walking away
2: from football after this moment. It, it's crazy just because it came out of nowhere. It It's such a random source, Rodney Harrison, that, that actually makes me put more into it. It's like Rodney Harrison. And then that's kind of like counteracted by the fact that it's Rodney Harrison. No, I think it's like, I don't know what their relationship is, but for him to just throw out there that there's a strong possibility Aaron Donald could walk away from the game and retire. he's, He's not making that up out of thin air, and he's already been proven right because Aaron Donald has all of his kids on the podium you know, it's it's after the Super Bowl. That's not the craziest thing that have happened. But I've never seen that with Aaron Donald. I've never seen all his kids up there. And he's asked about it. And he just said, give me a couple days to talk about it. So before this Sunday, before I woke up today, there was no thought that Aaron Donald could possibly be retiring. And just with Aaron Donald's answer, he indicated that he's either not sure or he doesn't want to talk about it right now. Because if he's not considering retiring, you just – Say it there. It didn't come out. And of then nowhere.
1: this is also something that popped up. Sean McVay had some introspective thoughts about maybe needing some time with his family. I, you know, if I had a if I had a guess, I'd say neither walk away. But I didn't think Tom Brady was leaving either. Uh, you don't know. Like, Donald, that was that's an indelible moment. Uh, JB Long did a great job with the call a- after he, he makes that stop to, to basically win the Super Bowl. Uh, pointing at his watch or where a wristwatch would be and then pointing at the ring. It's time for him to have the ring. And it's just like he's a He's had a obviously an incredible, an amazing career. And sometimes I feel like the football (laughs) cognoscente.
2: Don't cut this part out.
1: Has (laughs) kind of gone out of their way to be like, make sure you pay attention to this guy, like people that know football heads like this guy is just special. Sometimes the position he plays doesn't allow you to see it the way you could see a wide receiver be special. So for him to now have the ring, he enters this pantheon, like um, Todd Sperry, who runs our news division and was sitting next to me at the game. He asked me when Stafford, after he goes on that drive, does Stafford enter a Hall of Fame conversation? And I said, well, maybe he needs another three or four years of being a big-time player, but this takes you a long way uh, in terms of getting a bust in Canton. But for Donald, I think now you start to have that conversation about where he fits in the greatest ever defensively.
3: Yeah, and there were reports that the Rams are interested in an extension for Stafford, so he's likely going to be around. But let's just say, and it shows how quickly things change, if Aaron Donald walked away, Von Miller's probably not back. Odell Beckham is probably not – I'm just – you know, he's coming off a knee injury.
2: He's a free agent. If anything, it might actually make it a little easier for, for the Rams to bring him back because to he Odell. wants to – Yeah, but Odell was saying he would take a pay cut. But I don't know – But, but just, listen, even if Odell takes yeah, a pay cut, I'm just he, ju- he
1: might have just blown out his knee for the right, second this, time. That's what but I'm but saying. Like, the, like the, you want to do that was, in Los this, Angeles. It just emphasizes
3: that this was a win, not just in general now, but this year team. And we don't know what will happen with McVay. And if you're the Bengals, it's like – you came really close. It's a really great story, but the shine of this great story starts to diminish because the reality is you look at the Chiefs, you look at other teams, it is so hard to get back, and the window starts to shut. And by the way, they aren't a roster that screams like five-year dynasty run beyond the belief in their quarterback to begin with. So mm. it's fleeting. It's just so very – there 's why also you got to a- cash
2: in. There's also a report out there that you know, ESPN wants to – Potentially offer Sean McVay Monday Night Football. Our guy Ian Rappaport, did report that Sean McVay is gonna, you know, wants to be staying with the Rams. He's not thinking about that in the short term. He was talking about it more as a his family situation when maybe he would be ready to have kids. That would be something he would consider. That it wasn't gonna be in the next couple of years. But it is crazy because I've actually thought the whole All In thing was overblown by a lot. But because what these, what because you, what, they're they're really set up contract wise with with almost all of these guys for the next two or three years and i think what's the the ram's secret sauce is how good they are at finding guys in the middle of the draft or unrestricted free agency or undrafted free agents and making them into contributors and filling out the roster. If you look, they can have a very similar roster in the next year or two. But that changes totally if Aaron Donald is retiring, right? Or if Sean McVay is leaving. But what that, is, that is Sean
3: a- McVay leaving to spend time with family? He's not even married and has no kids yet. Am I? Am I? Well, right I guess yeah. It would Maybe he be, wants to start. That, uh, that. Oh, well, that's fine. But I would just say in general, in life, you you are going to continue to work and continue to pursue goals while having can children. I, I mean, can I ask you a question? Mark? Yes. Um. Maybe. <laughs> I never know what that will entail. I mean, he's you gonna question. ask it
1: regardless.
2: So you I'm might gonna ask to you a question. That's true.
1: Um, because uh, last night on the eve of the Super Bowl, you tweeted, "I'm um, over all of it." How are you doing right now?
3: I, I was in, in a bit of a mood last night, but um I I thought this was honestly a great day. Like I had, had this this was also when I when I saw
1: that on the eve of the Super Bowl, it I
3: was, was a not that was concerned.
2: not it was not really um it was not work related, and I I felt that I felt I felt that like it was like a darkness coming over my bedroom actually in Santa Monica. I just I felt <laughs> I it. like having that power. You felt there. it. Like, you do. You could just because we're It's like in Ghostbusters
1: where you see like the spirits kind of starting to come out.
2: What not you describe my
3: attitude? Today is affable, or, or, or you know, plugged uh, in was to some a degree. Intensity. I don't know. Was uh, there? I don't. Yeah. Know. it's okay. I, though. What, I, I actually thought I was a professional. But, I was like, incredibly chilled out before the game. I was just sort of sat in that <laughs> little wooden seat and. I didn't feel
2: worried about it. You anything. did book it out of the stadium immediately after the game. Well,
3: ended. I, you know, <laughs> there were things happening with my body sometimes that uh, you know, kept me out of a couple of weeks early in the season that was I'm mm. sitting in the same seat for four That, years. Hour, huh. that you know, I did sit next <laughs> to Nick Shook, it. which was a great I haven't seen him in a while. The pipe it's- Incredible to sit next to it at a football game. Maybe that's why game.
1: you weren't feeling so good because the pipe takes up space mm. with those. No, big no, no. You know
3: what? You know what takes up space? It's when spies. people move a certain way in their seat, or if they like have four thousand objects. Like he was like, "Are you all right? Like, do you have enough space?" Was, like, "I'm good." And your courtesy alone makes me just think more highly of Nick Shook in general. So right, it,
2: let- it's crazy because we we keep doing these. You know, there's these big takeaways from all this, and that's just how it goes. There's like a winner, there's a loser. It's like for the most part, it's like we're talking positive Rams a little bit negative for the Bengals and and that's how it's going to go for the rest of the time. There was there, there's so much randomness and there's so many plays in this game that can that if it's a little different the whole game's different. I felt like the the entire fourth quarter was chock full of those plays that if just a little thing is different then maybe the Bengals are the Super Bowl champs. One of them was the Tyler Boyd drop Bad that drop. you mentioned. That was in the fourth quarter. It it was The last play of their drive before they punted it, before the Rams um, game winning touchdown drive. Now, where we were and looking at the replays, I'm not sure he would have picked up. the. I think it's fourth and two. I think it's fourth and two, fourth and one around midfield. And that was a sliding doors moment in this game because of the of the way that Zach Taylor was approaching this game and where they were. In the game, I kind of think he would have gone for it on fourth and two. So that was like a, a huge or fourth and one. Maybe Tyler Boyd even breaks a tackle and he gets the first down. That that was one. Uh, another one was actually a running play earlier in that dry er, er, earlier in the fourth quarter, too, where Joe Mixon finally has some space. They, they call the outside zone. He, he gets to the outside. There's only one guy there, and it's Darius Williams. The, the worst tackling player in the Rams secondary. He kind of does the, th- I'm going to throw my shoulder and not even look at what's going on and hope I tackle him. And I think Nixon kind of stumbled a little bit in that spot. Like that's a play where they would expect Nixon to break that tackle. And that play could have gone for a long time. And Nixon immediately afterwards was kicking himself because he knew that was an opportunity. And yet that was a tackle. Ultimately, Darius Williams deserves credit. They end up forcing the punt, and it's like all these little plays. If it's just like a little bit different, who knows how this thing? Well, and it's
3: like the coaches are going to be, you know, flying home and watching the tape tonight. It's going to be one of those games where it's a horror show. It's a, it's, it's going to be a snuff film to some degree. It's painful to watch all these little mm. moments because these were two imperfect teams and you're right. Whoever lost, we would be, we would be pointing to a lot of little Rams moments saying, right. But the defense,
2: the defensive coaches, I don't think are feeling like, I think the both defensive coaches are feeling pretty good about what they did. Like, but er-
3: largely because these two right. like young geniuses, like right. did not um, suggest geniuses as offensive coaches. Like
2: Ernest Jones had a monster game for the Rams. He They decided to start him over Troy reader, who we've seen throughout these playoffs and has been a, uh, A huge letdown. Ernest Jones, who was a rookie this year, was another guy playing in that preseason game back back in August. See the preseason count sometimes. Mid round pick was injured earlier in the playoffs. He had multiple open field tackles. He had a sack. He had he busted up uh, a play in the first drive to force them to punt. And sometimes in the Super Bowl, that's like what it takes. Is like the Ashawn Robinsons and the Ernest Jones and the Darius Williams and the Taylor Raps and really that Rams defense for the most part, making everything Difficult because there's the another ben- scenario where the Bengals wouldn't even have scored 20 points. They were a little lucky to get the if, 20.
3: If, if the Bengals had pulled this out, you could also talk about the fact that I think they had like nine or 10 tackles for losses as well. I mean, they, they, it's just the simple thing is the Rams win, and so we're going to shine the light a little more positively on, on the on the defensive staff uh, point. Uh, Greg, I would just want you to underline it a little bit. Do you
1: who do you think had a better game? Uh, assistant defensive line coach Marcus Dixon of the Rams or for the Bengals? How about Jordan Kovacs, defensive quality control coach for the
3: Bengals? Mm, I mean, I'm
2: going more uh, top level. I do think we should give Raheem Morris a no, shout but out. I, why don't we answer that question? What what a, right, right. Dixon what, or Kovacs? Just let's, let's stick to let's the – Let's go here first yeah. and then you can move I mean, on I then You the can tree. go wax poetic. Everyone seven, knows seven, Kovacs seven, doesn't really show – Yeah, I was hoping a, you were going to say it. that.
3: Yeah, I everyone. think Kovacs, though, the more <laughs> that you know about him, there's a big future there.
2: Raheem Morris, did have a great playoff run. I mean, the whole idea was, like, their, their defense was – it was going to be tough to maintain how great their defense was a year ago. And if you look at this four-game playoff stretch – they were as good or better than that number one Rams defense from a year ago, and they did it when it mattered. Like, okay, in the regular season they weren't as great. Who cares? You just brought in Von Miller, and they absolutely rolled. So did my guy Anarumo, though. Well, and you, you got know, it tonight yeah.
3: with Jalen Ramsey getting beat twice. Now, I get, I one of the face mask things bothers me. I like that they can't review review that, but that that was a big issue. I mean, that changed the game right there.
1: Uh, Chris Russo is right. Bang the under on this game.
2: I was right about that. I wasn't right about anything else, but I was feeling. I good picked 1916. I'm pretty under. sure that yeah, was you, the under. You banged the under. You banged the under as well.
1: So that's good. My my I mean, final just, score
2: was 23-21. Mark dog did. Unfortunately, <laughs> I dogged. I had the Bengals uh, winning.
1: Let's take a break and uh, we'll hit a bunch of other stuff uh, as we continue our recap of Super Bowl 56. A bunch of other stuff. <laughs> 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 All right, we're gonna get to sandwich props. In a minute, uh, we're going to settle up some uh, other business. Uh, but uh, before that, the Westling brothers were in town. Five of them, in fact. The The city was lousy with Westlings. I got I met them over at the El Segundo Brewing Company for, for some drinks on Saturday night. And then after the game, uh, you know, after Cincinnati's football team very nearly won the Super Bowl but lost in excruciating fashion, I'm happy to report that the Wesling Brothers were in good spirits overall um, Stephanie Nick's wife was really the biggest fan of the bunch to be honest with you and she was a good sport about it too and we have we did some on-site reporting with Ricky Hollywood that you you can listen to at the end of the show but uh, I think overall the Wesling Brothers really uh, soaked it in and had a great time so that was cool
2: it was crazy to walk down from our seats and we were leaving the stadium, Dan. We weren't exactly sure where the Wesleyan brothers were, and we just run into them. And right. <laughs> Of
1: course we did, because that's just the way this whole run <laughs> right. is gone. It's Everything also like is 37 right that of them, so the numbers... <laughs> right, were just, but the stadium you know. is like 16 city blocks wide, and no, we happen to pop out right where they were. It's a unique uh, encounter.
2: Keisha is there. There's an NFL Films crew that was following Keisha and the Wesleyan brothers. They were also at Keisha's house uh, a week ago when, when we were celebrating Wes and uh, I'm really excited to see that, but it was just, I don't know. It's like, you're feeling so many different emotions at once, but to see them all there, like it just felt right. You know, they were, they were all in good spirits. Um, Felt so wrong for Chris not to be in that mix. And and Dan, you said it to me before the start of the game, just, just like you just wish Chris could be here to see it. And it, it was kind of like when the Reds were winning early in the season. I was like, "Okay, Reds, you got now. You actually pick <laughs> right. now to have a good season." And and it was different because the Bengals and and we've talked about it a lot. Wes had a different relationship with it. But it, it it it's cliche, but all being together and like seeing us there and like seeing us all in that one spot at the Super Bowl and the Bengals and all the wrestling brothers and Keisha and you just think about how this. This great friend of ours, Chris, brought us all together. Exactly.
1: That's what that's what I was just about to say that, like we we've had a lot of fun because it is a fun way to remember West is to think what West would where he'd be at headspace wise about this game. But I think the most important thing is that Chris is the reason why um, Lakeisha is so close to us and why the brothers were at this game uh, with the help from uh, a lot of people at the NFL, which we really are thankful to everyone. Uh, Matt Schneider and the whole crew who uh, made sure all the Weslings had a ticket and were able to get in the building. Like, they're all in that building celebrating uh, Chris and celebrating the hometown team. And even though it didn't come out the way you wanted it to come out, it was still it was like this special way to to celebrate uh, someone we all loved.
3: And I mean, we saw the pre-Lakeisha Chris Wesling, and we saw the post-Lakeisha Chris Wesling. And I don't really know if I've had a friend that went through a more um visual but also internal transformation because of one encounter and so I wonder I mean yes there is the Bengals mystery side to what Chris would have thought but I think he ultimately would have just wanted Lakeisha to be as happy as possible too and she got her Rams victory I mean that would have been she was super dug into the Rams and on such an emotional level that like maybe this is how Chris would want it to go
1: and I just have to say like Lakeisha who you know, we have so much respect for her and how she's uh, gone through this and come out of it and and been there and a great mother to link. Like this whole week has been highly stressful for her. And there's NFL films falling around and she's wearing the half uh, the half Rams jersey, the half Bengals jersey. And I give her a big hug. When I saw her and, and congratulated her on the Rams winning, it's almost like that was almost secondary to her. And it was her hometown team, St. Louis style winning the Super Bowl tonight. You just, again, you can't make any of this up and we'll never forget uh, this whole run because, uh, coming on the nearly year anniversary of losing West for it to like play out this way, still hard to, believe. yeah, she's,
2: she was, she was happy. I think with, with the Rams winning and, um, she also and and I feel this way too. You almost don't want it to end, you know, like this week, because this week has been special. And I and I I think about it because the Super Bowl is always going to be associated with West now for us, absolutely. Because we did that show a- after West died uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, and it's always it's always going to ha- his, you know, the day he died's always going to happen the week before, and so it's always going to be associated. But I I think. It's sad, but it's also beautiful too. Like it's it's a yearly celebration that we're gonna have of him and, and of football. And I thought the same thing, Dan, in terms of how the game ended. And I talked to Nick a little about that. Like, I think he would have wanted he should have be as happy as possible if he was here. You know what I mean? Like, right. in and when those three plays went sideways, I sort of thought like. He, he would have been like, oh, th- th- there's a Bengals like that's That's the Bengals for you. And he had so much love um, for Keisha, of course. And she's such a pure fan that like that. That's like how he oh, would have he, wanted it. To and end. he
1: was one of those smart football people who was always pounding the table about Donald's greatness. So, Donald, I just I think it kind of worked out in a lot of ways in, in a beautiful way that the Bengals didn't win, but everybody was together. And then mm-hmm. Lakeisha got um she got the ship there so that is uh that's awesome um all right let's see let's get to the sandwich props always a difficult game the victory winning is always about cashing in on others failures it's like they say like, what's the toughest sport? Oh, golf is the most difficult sport. It's Please, like, no, 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 no. It's Baseball, barely a sport. where thirty percent success rate. And oh, getting it's hard on to base. walk around
3: in like a white Izod shirt and like kick a ball around a green lawn. Wait, soccer? Now you're in, you're. No, going golf. Soccer. I mean, I mean, it's, oh, oh, it, I one. get that it's kick. difficult. Do you think people Pick. kick in
1: golf. Try. I don't,
2: I don't I imagine like,
3: you've I'm watched just, a lot. I'm just saying, like, it's like I'm not gonna die on that Ricky, hill. Did you couldn't... see how
1: mad Mark was
3: when well, he mentioned golf there? it was like
4: just super weird, like the IZOD reference, and then kicking a ball. It's like, have you ever played a sport?
2: I
3: didn't all? nail the kicking thing, but I think the clothing part <laughs> is is on point.
2: Some people say, you know, tennis, it's a one-on-one. There's no coaches out there. You're all by yourself. A mental, That that's one of the toughest sports out there. You, you I'll say, say cornhole. Yeah. The most difficult,
1: especially if you're drunk.
2: <laughs> that is accurate. Uh, but I would say,
1: uh, go get my lunch, you turd, <laughs> is up there as well. We'll start with Mark Sessler.
0: Higgins, Sample, and Boyd out to the right in a cluster. The Bengals... Toss it to the right. Yeah, Nixon touchdown. throws it into the back of the yeah. end zone. It is caught by T. Higgins. Yeah. Touchdown. Bengals. Joe Nixon floating one into the back right corner of the end zone. And T.
1: Higgins hauls it in for the Bengals' touchdown. A non-quarterback completes a meaningful pass. Now, I don't know if Nick Fortier got this one right. It's According to Nick, I'm the only one who took you up on it. Did you not take – because I remember specifically saying on one of the wagers I wasn't taking you up on it, just I didn't want to, and apparently Nick's got this wrong. It's just a matter of which one I didn't take you up on.
4: No, I, I think th- that was mine, a Sony Michelle. You're like, I have a weird feeling I'm just not going to do that with you.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I must we have could taken also just – you could just check the tape. That, that would be one simple way to – all right,
1: we're going to stop down, and Mark's going to check the tape.
2: No, I cannot be bothered. But <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. I just, you know, we Wait, did. You off. just say that the, the Sony Michelle thing, yeah? That so
1: that's what you're right. Thank you, Ricky. So Mark
2: has a non-QB. He complete... finishes with two yards on two carries, by the way. Not exactly the same performance. <laughs> Wasn't uh, what I was looking for. as the hundred no. plus against Sean but Rams. But apparently, Greg was... Greg did not
1: take you up on that. So, you, but you collected a sandwich on me. Well, Greg. No, Greg,
2: I did. Sonny Michelle, me and Mark Don't took it. you. What whoa, whoa, you slow it. down. Slow oh, down. Wrong We're wrong not it. there person. yet. Wrong person. We're not there oh. yet.
3: Greg, Greg talked about other players throwing passes as not unusual or important, basically. I said,
1: I said that. That's how often those are. I took you on just because that's the way the game is played. The second half starts with an onside kick. That did not happen. So that a, went it,
3: effing south.
1: It was a touchback and then the big uh, T. Higgins played. Yeah, they should have tried an onside kick. Things would have maybe been different. Greg Rosenthal. So you're five and two there, Mark. That's a nice job by you. Greg Rosenthal, four and three. Jamar Chase delivers a key memorable block. That I think that's the worst uh, Super Bowl prop we've ever had. <laughs> Just in terms of
2: like, Here's like you thing, failed, though. but also like, what are we even doing? Here? Here's the thing. You guys, I agree no that thing. it was weird, but for it to be a memorable block, it would have like the odds of that happening were very small. Uh, so if nothing else, right. like it was uh, it was an onion hanger. But I, you were trying to not even give me credit for but that. where's the juice. Like what's fun about it? You know, unless he's like just, laying a
1: dude I out. I just
2: sort of saw it in my mind and I just right. wanted to okay. go with it. I saw like Higgins running down and then Chase like delivers this thing. You got to go, like, wow, wow. go with your vision. You got to go with your vision. So your, I, s- I your you. second one was <laughs> looking really
1: good at halftime. But then things went sideways. For the Cincinnati offensive line, Joe Burrow was sacked less than three times. He was sacked seven times. Should have just gone for the under. And 19 times in the playoffs. Uh, Once again, like proving that Kansas City game was so bizarre. Things got so strange in that game where he was able to get away and scramble and sacked once. But he was sacked nine times by the Tennessee Tickle Monsters in the divisional playoffs. And then seven times by the Rams in the Super Bowl, including six in the second half. Uh, so there that is. All right. Uh, the old Zeuser, three and five. I had Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase each have 100 yards receiving. One gets there by halftime. I don't think either got there. Both were close uh, to 100. Uh, both had an impact to the game, Cup especially. He's Super Bowl MVP, but neither um, eclipsed the century mark or got there at halftime. So I lost two there. And then the halftime show. Um, I had Still Dre opening. I thought the, the Scott Storch, the, the keyboard, that instantly uh, iconic uh, keyboard riff would start the show. That actually closed. So it was like right church, wrong pew situation.
3: Uh, good sensibility, though, that it was a something they'd want to emphasize. Right,
1: and I do like it was like Dr. Dre was like, hey, in this house set that we're doing for halftime, um, get me a big white grand piano. So I'm going to show him I can play piano.
2: It was a great closer in the end. I was <laughs> I wishing. Like I thought that would be the opener, uh, but it was a great closer. I love that they started with a Snoop verse. Right. Uh, like explosive. And I love how they ended it with Drake Right. So we open with
1: next episode. No Nate Dogg, of course. But you get a little Snoop to start things off. Turn up my headphones.
0: Snoop Dogg! You know what happened with the deep.
1: And you can't, like, I, this is not trying to oversell it. The auxiliary, we were in the 500s in this auxiliary press area. It was shaking uh, during the halftime set. People were just way into it, smelled a little bit like a, a certain uh,
3: uh, wacky tobacky. Right. I mean, it could it have been some journalists could have been, uh, you know, uh,
1: and then I, my other prediction was that they closed with California Love. They went from next episode into California Love, and they actually closed uh, with uh what did they close with? what did they close with? what did they close I thought with? I they close with still dre.
2: Still dre they closed yeah. with.
4: What can I, your... can I say something? Yes. I don't did we need like it was cool that 50 cent did the whole, you know, in the club um music video coming down from the ceiling yeah. thing, but I didn't need it.
1: Can I tell you something? I think not to um to uh manspread on this one and yep. man explain it mansplain mansplain <laughs> manspread I, I think if you are a fan of that era of hip hop or you were kind of super plugged in when he hit that was like one of the biggest huge, songs ever and huge. dre the Started show was him, right? ultimately about dre and dre found 50 cent okay. and that was the 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 image of him dropping down everyone that followed hip hop hip hop in the early 2000s was like oh that was him from the music video like right you know, shredded doing his sit ups or whatever he was doing I in remember the gym. Yeah. In the gym. So I was I got it. I, I liked it. Actually, I was in.
2: Right. You got to have a little bit of a surprise, I Definitely. guess. I didn't I'm with you. I didn't need it. But it also felt like every song was perfectly chosen. I mean, it really was crazy. We live in California and, you know, Weedsley, Weedsley sets
1: the table. I'm the just saying it was like,
2: <laughs> how so Cal can you get? You know, it right. was a moment. These these two guys from you know from Inglewood that and that they, they're here at SoFi Stadium. That the weeds for us to be at a Super Bowl. You know, you walk everywhere in SoCal, and I think it's a beautiful smell. You just walk around the street. There's weed in the air pretty much everywhere you go. And for everywhere that, to, Greg goes, for, for, that's true. He's
1: for the every source.
2: everything happening, for that to happen. In the Super Bowl stadium, and Dre and Snoop, and then Kendrick, it's like it felt like the good guys won. It felt like a nice so. This is as SoCal as you could possibly get. We've been to ten Super Bowls. <clears throat> I think it was the best
3: halftime show. I I, I think there's recency bias for mm. that a little bit. The only thing that I would say that um I, I that I easily had as my favorite was Beyonce before this, and I I still think Beyonce is my favorite. But this Mark, was you were au- in the
4: bathroom for like thirty minutes after Shakira and J Lo.
3: In Miami. <laughs> Is that true? I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: Uh, I liked Beyonce 1 a lot. Uh, I thought in that New was Orleans. excellent. Yes, New Orleans, Beyonce was excellent. I liked Gaga a lot, too. Uh, she was good. Um, And this one I thought was this
2: excellent. This was like the most joyous, but I'm with you. But I think Maroon 5
1: you have to really
2: go with as you, I don't one. think sure. we work together, but... I really go back to that black-eyed peas performance. <laughs> <laughs> we we weren't we weren't together, but I remember I was in the building for that, and it was we're uh, up
3: with people. It was at, like, wait, this is the
2: Super Bowl. What is happening?
1: <laughs> um, all right, and then finally, Greg. So I that cost me saying. Oh yeah. Uh, and Greg... Uh, no, you did
2: me. We got Erica. That's it.
1: No, we didn't do it. Oh, we did, Greg. Yeah, Erica, you said Sony Michelle scores a touchdown. Yeah, I felt good about that what one. What did he have? What did he finish with? Like two yards. Okay, so yeah.
3: <laughs> He could have had a one-yard touchdown in another exactly. scenario.
1: He did not. Um, any other kind of big-picture thoughts about the game, hmm. boys?
2: What you said before about Joe Burrow and the Bengals at You got to take advantage when you do get there. There was a feeling I think with this Bengals team and James Palmer was talking about it when I saw him in the press box today that like they couldn't have possibly been looser this morning throughout the week. They couldn't have possibly been more confident. They couldn't have possibly acted more like this was their destiny and that they couldn't possibly be more confident that they're going to be back here year after year. That if they didn't get it... He, he said something to the effect that, well, if they don't get it done here, they act they they, they almost feel like they don't mind because they, this they're going to make this a regular habit. Now, they have proven to us this season, when you doubt Joe Burrow, when you doubt these Bengals, uh, they can have a way of surprising you, even if it doesn't make any sense. But this was an incredible opportunity, an incredibly uh, winnable game that their defense really set up for them. And uh, it's going to be – you can say whatever you want about coming back. It's going to be a painful couple of months.
3: I think they'll learn that, you know, you can say whatever you want about it. We think there's going to be a lot of these moments again for the Bengals. But all last off season for the Super Bowl loser, the Chiefs, it was – they're going to dedicate all their resources to fix that line, to make sure what happened against the Bucks and Tom Brady did not happen this season. And the Bengals going with a as-laser focus to, like, you, you cannot put Joe Burrow in that situation next year. They've tried to put resources, but, like, for all the good job that their front office has done in general – that's one area that remains a disaster, and so you already know what your number one job is, because there's a lot of other things to like about the fact that your core talent is all on their rookie contracts. There's a they are right now the odds-on favorite to win the AFC North again, with those other teams having mm. been weakened, if anything else. And if you're the Rams, you're you're playing with house money at this point because you're the team that did pull out an imperfect game by both squads. And
1: that's why I think with the all-in thing, Greg, I think ultimately.
2: It is were all, in all in.
1: Yeah, if McVay
2: and Donald are gone, but then like, it's very well, the a thing.
1: different team. Even if, yeah, even if the core comes back and they don't get to the mountaintop again, or maybe the people retire and the team goes uh, under completely, they have the rings. They, they did it. This was successful. Les Snead, who's a guy that's been there for a long time, and there was some down years where he could have gotten swept out, and he didn't, and now he's got a ring with this team. I think that is it is a reminder that there is more than one way to build a team and they showed it and it absolutely worked. And for Cincinnati, yeah, everyone, everyone kind of has the same take with his team, which is we're still in great shape. Let's go and pour a lot of resources into the offensive line and we'll get right back here. But that's not right. how it the works. The AFC not, looks, not a home run,
2: looks stacked. The AFC North looks stacked. You got the bills, you got, who knows the Patriots coming up. Like you, you've got that entire AFC West division, uh, it's pretty brutal. I I do like that the Rams did it a different way by trading all these picks, and, and they're coaching up these mid-round picks like Ernest Jones that they give. To me, it's like Odo Beckham was one thing, and Stafford. Those weren't those weren't ballsy trades. Those were nor you know. Odo Beckham was a no-brainer signing. Stafford was a smart trade. I don't think they went crazy. You know, I think that they were, these were aggressive. moves. They were aggressive. Moves. Right. Yeah. Von Miller was kind of a crazy trade to give up two quality picks for two months of Von Miller was an intense trade. Was that hurt. was hurt. That was as yeah. all in as you get. And then he delivers two sacks, three quarterback hits uh, tonight. He's the first player ever to have two sacks in a Super Bowl for two different teams because he, he had a couple, of course, getting the Super Bowl MVP a couple of years ago. Uh, it, it was incredible. It was incredible vision. And to uh, keep Les Snead with Sean McVay and make that partner partnership work, even though McVay is sort of in the lead, it's an interesting setup. The, Snead's there first. He works well with McVay. The ownership wanted to bring – Sneed from St. Louis to here. Everything worked out well. And then here they are. You almost can't write it that SoFi Stadium and they win the Super Bowl. I feel like Mark was dreading this sort of thing happening. Almost that like the NFL preordained it and like the we were going to be the Rams little uh, – like employees, Puppets. but in the end, you didn't end up that way. I'm, I'm getting to the point that, like, in the end, I don't think you minded because even if that felt strange, that like we're essentially at work right now. We just well, it's, walked no, it's across just the it's street. happened. Right
3: now, well, that now, if if you want to project it as a goal or or something that they envisioned, it's happened. I think the bigger thing that's happening is it's not. I don't really have strong personal feelings about what happened to the Rams tonight. I, if anything, we kind of know them as well as any team, and some of the people and like. I'm kind of cool with it, and good for them. My thing is more you that probably could do without Odell forcing. But his way but out even of that even that it's ring. like like how much mental space am I spending on Odell Beckham? Literally none at this point. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I know, bit. but it's like, a
2: bit. isn't it nice to just walk over from the Super Bowl though? Like we just watched the Super Bowl, and then we walked over to the Chris Wrestling Podcast Studio, and it took us five minutes. It's that was We also cool.
3: drove drove like three hundred miles this week, so I don't. It, it's a trade off. But I would I would just say this: it's the second year in a <laughs> row. Where the home team wins in their stadium. I don't care about that. It's the second year in a row where a veteran quarterback of high value decided to go from or was able to go from Team A to Team B and win the Super Bowl in year one with Mm. Team B. And I don't think that trend is going away. I simply don't. I think you've got other veteran quarterbacks looking at what's happened to Mm. Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford and said, these guys changed their storylines and and their destinies. And Odell, and I mean, I know you're right. It ends right.
1: with Odell suffering a bad knee injury. He comes to the sideline, and but you he's know, got a ring. He's he's crying after the game, but he you know he tweets out it's all God's plan. He's got a ring now, uh, but that is that is part of what the league is now. It's why Kyler Murray, and we don't want to get ahead of that story, but that's why Kyler Murray might be saying, "Hmm, I can do whatever I want. I'm a star in this league, and I think it's a major kind of thread now to follow." Uh, in the NFL because things are changing and we'll we'll just continue to see I think players kind of pick where they want to go the way the NBA has turned into that like these teams kind of finding themselves and maybe there's some back channel chatter and then they say let's go for it together now that is with Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay that is now the stuff of legend for the Rams the meeting in Cabo there will be more meetings in Cabo uh, across the league I think going forward even if it's not actually in Cabo (laughs) <laughs> because it works. If it works. It, it seems like we need a quarterback. We need this. Okay, I can come to your town and become the star and get a ring. Okay, let's do that. And football
3: players don't have the mentality of, well, that's just the NBA. They're thinking, no, it's just us, too. We're actually a ten times bigger sport than the NBA. Baseball's like a minor child-sized dwarf compared go. to us. No, or would you argue that football is like, – That literally sh-
1: has nothing to do with anything we're talking about right now. Your what? ranking of what's popular. It's a mi- am, minor am, child
2: side. No, I, I am saying that like Wait.
3: football players should be as empowered as any athlete on the planet because the okay. NFL is king. I mean, there's no other right. sport where someone else But what was that, that about
1: baseball being a But it's tricky. What? I'm it saying that,
3: that football <laughs> 40 years ago football was in the mix with these other sports. It's completely changed. Football is the king sport and their stars should have as much say, leverage and power as any athlete on the planet. Not just NBA, not just baseball, not just fill in the blank.
2: There are different dynamics, oh, but yeah. I think the Kyler <laughs> the Kyler Murray one is an interesting one to watch because you and, and we'll get into it throughout the off season, so we don't need to hear. But you could hear the the little sparrows from either the front office, most likely, or the coaching staff starting to try to drag Kyler through the mud as a, as potentially there's a power struggle here. And both sides don't want to look like the bad guy. Russ could be up for grabs. Deshaun Watson's legal situation is still uncertain, but he could be up for grabs later this offseason. Aaron Rodgers is maybe returning. Sounds more likely than not, but we don't know at this point. Like, there's a lot of these quarterbacks hanging out there right now. Mm. All right. Well, keep us busy, you know. You ready for that, Mark? We'll, we'll do a podcast tomorrow, just a quarterback-like emergency. You too will. Podcast what's that
4: there is a new champion for the locks competition of 2022 (laughs) dan are you ready to announce your retirement
2: oh go on aaron donald i need to get jack and harrison up here i tried to retire from this you guys wouldn't let me i would like
1: uh, greg could you (laughs) hand it over to me in a symbolic yeah yeah I mean, Sean uh, Kelly can get in here, snap a photo of the transfer of uh, Lock Trophy. It was one of ne- very nearly one of the great collapses of all time. <laughs> but um, I'm humbled. Here, let's make yeah. sure. We... I'm humbled. And uh, <laughs> Mark, you had an incredible comeback. But at the end of the day, the trophy is with me for the first time as, as a solo venture and um, it means a lot so I want to thank everybody and I'm not sure what the future holds uh, I want to go home I want to talk to my family about this and see where we are uh, but
3: we'll go spend more time with them maybe walk away from the sport in general as everyone else seems to be doing right now
1: maybe 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 but uh, we're taking it home
2: I'm getting vibes from that episode where Mark wasn't happy uh, with the lack of I think Humility that you were showing on one episode. Uh, you know what? Remember? It's
3: it came down to the end. You uh, <sighs> vicariously, we have you know we win or lose through what other men do in um, tight pants and pads, <laughs> and that's what's happened tonight. I couldn't be more excited for you.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Uh, it's it's nice to have it. It's going to be right. It's going to be right behind me over my right shoulder um, at my home, and then uh, I know Greg, you're hungry to come back for it next year because. It's, it was a humbling season for you no doubt to go from back to back champion to I'm sort of an all ready. or
2: nothing guy you know uh, I tried to retire the lock trophy period um the format in general but I, it sounds like I'll never I'll never get rid of it
3: It's an odd battle that you're fighting on that front <laughs> uh, I don't think it's going away um all right any other thoughts
1: uh boys this is obviously a uh, uh, still a surreal uh, thing one year later without Chris. Um, wish he was with us right now. And you, you mentioned it always gets me. I don't know what it is. The uh, when they do America the Beautiful and goes into the national anthem, and then the Jets go over, and then you look down and you saw all the orange, and you saw Cincinnati everywhere, and it's like, oh man, I wish he was here to see this. I don't even care what where really where he would come down on. I just wish he was there, um, with us. I want to do mention one thing. I want to get. Uh, if you did not happen to check out um, John Gonzalez, Colleen's husband's uh, SI weekly podcast, which he launched uh, last month and it's you know a really good um, journalistic program that covers a lot of different things. And last week he had us on the show uh, with Lakeisha and we had a really you know great group conversation. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, just talking about everything that's happened in the last year,
3: um, I highly recommend
1: that. Um, any other thoughts, guys?
3: I mean, when I think of Wes, you know, and I think we—we, we, it's so clear at this point that we interacted with Wes in our own unique ways. But now, starting tomorrow, was the time that Wes and I used to hang out a lot. <sighs> it was the beginning of the off season, and and it like football will never be the same for me. And like I like I think that I kind of admire. Uh, I think Greg specifically, like you, seem to be galvanized to kind of do this season for Wes and to find love of football through him. And and I certainly found my love of football growing by hanging out with Wes in general. I don't know if I can call this season. I'm not sure it did that for me in the same way. And I, it's just that I think I'm still processing like a lot of what happened this year. It's been dark. It's been rough personally. Um, but amazing, majorly because of that. And um, I so I just miss him now, like hanging out with him and all the stuff that we would do when he'd start to get deep into his other interests in life. And, and there's really no one else um, that can duplicate that in a friendship way.
2: Yeah, days like today, you wake up to Bengals, Rams, Super Bowl. You just sort of like feel him. You, you think about him. You feel his presence. And days like today where you're just like so alive to – the excitement of the of the moment, you know, that's live. like to quote damage. Like that's living. And that's what that was what West was all about. It, you, you wish he was here, but you also love that, like he, he feels part of this. It, you know, not to be. Too, too much of a downer, but it's like the next week or two, that's like that's harder, you know, because you. I love that he's part of this. I love when we were in London, that he was sort of part of that. And it's like you want those moments, those special days where he it almost feels like he's part of it uh, to last forever. And and they don't. But the the best you can do is is make sure you are really living in those days. Well said. And it was another really special year for our show. And
1: so thankful to the audience um, who went through the loss as well in their own way and had to make a decision whether they wanted to stay with us and continue to listen to the show. And, and so many of you did stay with the show and you saw us kind of try to process Wes's loss and figure out how to even do a show uh, when Chris isn't around, who's such an integral part of what we did. So thank you to everyone who's who did that. And um, and we hope to be around for a long time with you guys uh, doing the show. It's just a uh, a real honor to be able to um, to have the audience. We saw, you know, so many people uh, this this week in L.A. coming up to us, big podcast fans, whether it's here or visiting from uh, different parts of the world. And we do not take that for granted. So thank you to everybody uh, for the support of this show. Still hard to believe that the, the, this is our we're going to go into our 10th season of the Around the <laughs> NFL podcast uh, starting in September, uh, which uh, it's changed all of our lives. And it's like, I don't know what happens next with the show. things you know this is going to be an interesting year for us Um, but I I could tell you that we love doing it and uh, we're
2: not going anywhere it's crazy you think that those first episodes where we had to basically sneak around we had to leave people on the desk that it was this it's this side thing that we almost had to be ashamed of that our bosses didn't want to do and now here we are in the the great man Chris Wesseling's podcast studio There you go, across the street.
3: Right. It was pitched as, well, if there's four of you, two of you can go up and do a show <laughs> maybe at the same time. And we never um, followed the, that rule specifically and where it came from and who it came from. And I think that we've, um, inside this corporation, not followed a lot of rules, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Living
1: well <laughs> or podcasting well is the best revenge. And, 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 and That's certainly the case with us. So, yes, from the Chris Wesseling podcast studio. Uh, and we're going to, of course – Throw to um, our conversation now with all the wrestling brothers, and, and let's just tick them off. We got Larry. He's the stoic one.
2: Oh. What?
3: Hmm. Well, he's the sardonic stoic. stoic one. Stoic is a compliment, I mean, in many We have ways. Nick. Called
2: princess by his brothers, so that's Doesn't troubling. quite match stoic, it's but. Right. We got Nick, the bad boy.
1: <laughs> yes. We got Phil, the quiet beetle.
2: In some ways, but not really got opinions, a lot of heart, a lot got of Eddie,
1: heart. Eddie. Uh, haven't had too much time with Eddie. Definitely. He's the, he's, he's the quiet
2: one. He's the quiet one. Plotting of, in the background. Right. It's great. It was great to see him out here. I was, it was a pleasant surprise. And of course. Tim, Tim
1: Wesley, the wild card, the wild card. That's an easy one. And Stephanie, uh, Nick's wife it was Yeah. Great to see everybody. So. Um, here's the conversation we had with them in what's been a v- really special week um, for the Westlings and a, and what's been a wild year. Thank you to everybody for listening. And we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to take the rest of this week off and be back with you at some point next week. So until then, you know what you got to do. Heed the call.
0: I feel okay. I think it was a just end. It was a good game. A little disappointed for my brothers, huge Bengals fans, but You know, it was a good game, and I'm happy for Lakeisha that the Rams won. And, hey, the Bengals will be back. Plenty to cheer for over the next decade. Uh, My wife, extremely upset right now. Season ticket holder does not like the fact that the Bengals lost. The rest of us, happy to be here. A little disappointed, but we'll be
1: all right. And we also think the Bengals will be back. This was a
4: very, very, very amazing experience. I had to bring myself to being back as a Rams fan and just in this moment like I'm In the building, Rams' house, we won the Super Bowl, and that, like, a lot of people don't get a chance to experience this moment, and it's just like, I don't take it for granted. Like, this is such a wonderful
0: experience. If Chris is looking down on us now, he's probably thinking exactly what you said. On the other hand, this is a different Bengals team, and he knows it. He would love Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, he'd love the whole
1: deal, except for Mike Brown.
4: (laughs) But whose
3: house? Rams!